Hi, it's Mickey Dolenz here. You're listening to Inspirato Projecto. Starbucks. And uh, before we know it, we will soon have a hot beverage in our hand. Into the night, why do not we steal away? It just ain't right. Why do not we steal away? Why do not we steal away into that night? Oh, that's right. Uh, so can I have a uh, coffee, please, with a shot of espresso, please? And that's all, thank you. Wow, you got the forest on your arm. Is yeah. that the forest? There are trees. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you. I like that craftsmanship on there. Holy cow, the details are astounding. Do you want a medium size? Or small, large? Oh, uh, just uh, medium size medium. is good, thank you. Got it. Thank you. Why do not we steal away? Uh, no, thank you. All right. 
Cool. Thank you. I know where they ride. We'll soon have our coffee in hand. Okay. So a new segment I want to do uh, before each of the shows is get get a quick interview from each of you guys before the show, then after the show. Who guys? So uh, all you guys. Wise guys. The wise guys. The crew guys. Uh, the crew guys. Yali crew. The band. Your ideas about what you think, how the show may go, and then your thoughts about after the show. So so where are we tonight, Mr. David Bowie? David Bowie checking in. 1978, Captain. Uh, finally, some action. Uh, all the usual suspects are here tonight, so I've gotten to say hello to all the all the the, the, the crazies, the croupies, as we call them. Uh, everybody's excited to hear the new songs. Turn the LED on your on your thing. Everybody wants to hear the new songs. Want me to turn it on already? Yeah, because they're gonna start taking. It'll look cool if they're all lit up. Cruise director's giving a tip, so you might want to pause. Oh yeah. Okay, we're gonna uh, turn on. Wait. Well, his his is not lit up yet, though. Usually, I light up when his lights up. Oh yeah. Okay. What else would you like? I, to say? I was finished. Thank you very much for your time, uh, Mr. Uh, so so. Uh, what what do you think? How uh, what does it look like out there? How the... Everyone's looking forward to the new songs that they haven't heard yet. It's going to be off the chain. Oh yeah. Are there any specific right. songs you can divulge Off or no? Or is it classified? We're going to rock the bow. Uh, well, you know, uh, oddly enough, the new songs are all kind of slow songs. Oh, yeah. There, there really aren't any fast-paced rockers in there. Yeah, that's true. So uh, we'll, see, we'll see how they go over with the new piece. We'll see how they like that new Robert Goulet song. Oh, lady. Lady, 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 lady. So, Paulie Shores, uh, what are your thoughts about tonight's show? Yes, and? Right. Sax, sax, saxophone. Yes. Saxophone. Mm-hmm. Saxophone solo. Huey Lewis. Right, right. Oh, this is right. Polly Shores from Yali Crew. Number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. Time travel dream crew. Two and a half hours of your sweetest. Very sweet. Smooth. Soft rock. Soft, so, 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 soft. Right, <laughs> right into your soul. So, so, so. Soul, brother. So, so, brother. So, brother. So, Chris, as being uh, tonight's uh, mastermind uh, sound engineer, what are your what are your thoughts? It's gonna be awesome. So uh, packed in there right now. It's pathetic. It's I mean, packed it's, in there. It's packed. I remember you tell me something. Uh, a piece of sage wisdom is that you make the sound to fit the area where the people are. You know where the people are, where the sound is, rather than outside of. You know, rather than the entire room. Can you better describe that? Uh, it's called directional. 
just being directional with the sound, aiming places, speakers in the right spots to where it sounds great at one place and it sounds good in the other place, but people can still talk if they need to. They shouldn't be talking during the show, though. <laughs> so, so, okay, so the idea that I'm getting that is that if you were to distribute the sound in such a way where the entire room was to, uh, enveloped, there's probably a lesser chance that as many people would stick around. Say that again. Okay. Do you think less people would stick around if this if you were to distribute the sound to fit the entire venue? Well, they're all here to see you guys, so I think they would all stay. Because it sounds to me like your your plan is to make it for the dance floor for so that way people can still talk, and it's not like a threat to their hearing. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't want to blow people's ears out, but also I don't want to get yelled at by managers and places to say, tell me it's too loud. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when they open up the door and it's like it's like just blasting we're into getting, the... We're getting noise ordinance tickets. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. I don't want to be that guy that costs the band $500. How long has it taken you to kind of figure out that, I mean, it's almost like an animalistic kind of sense. I mean, how the heck, how long did it take for you to kind of develop that? Years of training, training the old ear, the good old ear. I don't rely on computer products. I don't rely on smart, which is a system tuning system. I rely on my ears. And Greg's got my wine. Greg's the house guy here. Greg, podcast. Okay, so you're on my podcast right now. So Greg, tell me, tell me more about what what you like to do here at the venue. At Discovery? Yes, Discovery Ventura. Uh, well, I do a lot of the mixing of the bands that usually come through, like the local acts and such. But uh, the thing I like the most about the venue is the bowling over there. I love the fact that bowling can still be going on, and I love the fact that there are big Lebowski and Kingpin references. Giant paintings all over the entire venue. Now, originals. this show, I feel like, okay, so you, you, you were at our last show too, right? Yeah, that we were yeah. And were you at other shows outside of this show too? I thought I remember seeing you at others. Surf Rodeo. Surf Rodeo, that's what it was, okay. Surf Rodeo, I did monitors. And the Surf Rodeo was right over there by the Shores Motel, right? Pierpont, uh, Pierpont Beach. Right there in the middle of things. So it was great. We just talked to Polly Shores, Polly Shores, and and I'm Stony Shores. We were right near the Shores Motel, and we thought that was a miraculous incident. And it's so crazy that we happen to be here tonight. And the fact that you happen to be there and you happen to be here is is quite an interesting moment. Surf Rodeo is one of the wackiest concerts uh, I do every year. It's pretty pretty unique blend of music and surfing. So you must have mixed a lot of bands. You know, through here for people to just you know give you that trophy and saying, okay, you're going to be the dude who who is in charge of this stuff out here. You know, it's all networking. Everybody knows everybody. It's a it's a small world. I think just being nice to people goes a long way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, nobody's going to call you back you know, if you're a jerk. Having a good you rapport with fuck you, buddy. <laughs> That's why we love Tommy Bowie so much, ladies and gentlemen. Now it's a good time to admire. I, I endorse being nice to people. He does. Especially and on the Inspirado Projecto <laughs> podcast. Yes, right. Oddcast, oddcast, oddcast. Now his alter ego... Oddcast, Now his alter ego, Thomas Gardner Jr., um, has a lot of wonderful songs out there. So check out Thomas Gardner Jr. That's his uh, alter ego. Uh, very, very awesome, awesome singer-songwriter. Now we are here with 
Baba Booey. Baba Booey. Baba Booey. Um, what are your thoughts, thoughts about tonight? He plays bass. He's the Gene Simmons of the group. It's going to be killer. I'm going to kick ass. Sell it out. How many times have we Sold played here out. tonight so far? Uh, this will be like our fifth time. And it seems like uh, we have a lot of fun every single time, huh? Sometimes. You know what I've noticed <laughs> is that there are some people, a lot of people out there that I've noticed it, like from Bombay gigs. Yeah. They come here. How close is Bombay? How Start close down is the street? This, this is right down the street from like there? Like five minutes away. Uh, I didn't realize how close we were to the Shores uh, Motel. Yeah. And the Shores Motel is, of course, where... Pauly Shore stays. Yeah, Pauly Shore stays there often. And our and uh, the sound engineer guy, he, he helps do the... Uh, what was it? The surf rodeo. Mm-hmm. So that's just exciting as hell. I'm sure we'll be doing that again this year. I keep finding more and more of these these interesting connections that are that are going on between things. You know what I don't like about Surf Rodeo? Huh. The loadout. The loadout? Loading those sound systems oh and stages god. off of that beach. Is, oh my god. Yeah, fortunately I don't have to worry about it. big business right there. Do they right? pull in do they pull in help most of, Oh my god, dude, thank you. Cheers. Thank you. I break I break all my shit down, but I don't have to load it. Yeah. Do they pull mostly from help from here? Uh, no, it's pretty much all Profound Entertainment does, did all, at least. Yeah, we all work together for different companies. Yeah. Oh, so you guys all, okay, so all, you two guys you work for a, a particular... So many crazy-ass fucking shows together, it's, it's ridiculous. What the heck? Like what I was said, the first show that you both can remember meeting at... At, at Janet Force? Or Lucidity. First time we ever worked together? Enchanted? Lucidity. Or probably Lucidity. We started yeah. working with each other at these hippie jam... Festivals, like, it's incredible. Festivals, like what? Like what? Organ Eclipse, yeah, Lucidity, Symbiosis, Symbiosis, Enchanted, Enchanted Forest, yeah, Surf Rodeo, Surf, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> oh my God, it's incredible. So you worked at a previous Surf Rodeo? Well, I've worked them all this since they started them again. Okay. At what? Three with us? Three or yeah, this would be yeah. I think that was three last year. At what point did you enter the Surf Rodeo? Three three years ago, they put me on the. Uh, in the drinking garden, there was a little live stage made out of pallets. Basically, it was a kiddie stage. stage. It was a stage made out of pallets, and I was using a mixer that had... You just never knew if the knob was going to actually work, or if the channel fader was going to actually slide or not. It was all sorts of bad No way! So it was all very iffy situation? Like, you just had to think on your feet at all times? It was like the mixer literally fell off the back of a truck. Yeah. <laughs> it's great to have these stories now, right? But when you live through it, you're kind of like, ah, you know, the world's falling apart. Yeah. So how many how many stages were there? Back then there was three. Now there's two. And so you you started off on you started off on sort of the half stage. Yeah, well, I started off in the beer garden. That doesn't count as he Wait, do they have music out there too? They had live music in the beer garden. Yeah. Back then. He started off as the newest guy to our little production company, so he had, we had to be hazed. We hazed him. <laughs> he had to be hazed. What did that consist of? That, uh, me, me getting the cables no one else wanted <laughs> and the microphones no one else wanted yeah, making, making him like go into the muck and just you're like okay here's what we got you gotta make do with this yeah, thing pretty much working running sound for the bands that you weren't that, good enough to play the main stage that stuff is so very important though wouldn't you say I mean it was definitely character building 
for both me and the musicians who played on that stage. Yeah. Do you feel that you, you appreciate the stuff now that's going on because now you have that to kind of call back to? Oh gosh, when I walk into a show that's <laughs> that's well produced and yeah. everyone knows what they're doing yeah. and they have a job and they do You're it. Like a, I feel like a king. And then you go and sleep in a bed afterwards Yeah. and they feed you. You're time. not sleeping in a haystack. Yeah, and you actually don't work, you know. Somebody asked me uh, just the other day on Stagehand Humor, they were like, what's the longest shift you ever did? And it was Oregon Eclipse. Yeah. I, did, I did 38 hours what? straight. Oh my god! Very end of the festival. I love hearing these stories. No one else gets a chance to hear. Yeah, and I was like going between being front of house and monitors on the Silk Road stage, uh, and helping set up and strike the bands and everything. Oh my god! And it was the end of a week long festival, and everyone else had basically died. Oh my god! Everyone else had basically died. Christy, have you felt? I feel like you've been in his kind of shoes before. My longest shift I ever did was when I lived in New York during the presidential inaugural ball, Bush's second term election. I lived in New York, down D.C. I was up for 42 hours straight. My God, you guys. Look at that. It's like you guys are comrades. You guys have been in it together. Some people work 40-hour work weeks. It's like, what the hell do you do after Tuesday? Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. You know, see, when you have those experiences to, to, to gain from, to, to pull from, it really makes you, like, really appreciate those moments, right? And the times like these. Huh? Yeah, and especially it helps you appreciate corporate gigs where you get paid a lot and they take care of you. Yeah. <laughs> the hospitality gets better, right? The rock, the rock and roll gigs, like the rock star gigs that we do, it doesn't pay as much and the hours are twice, but with the corporate gigs, uh-huh. the pay's four times as much in half the hour. <laughs> but it's got to look real pretty. Yeah. Rock and roll doesn't look pretty. you got to hide the speakers and the cables. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. Put, put ferns in front of the speaker cables. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> we'll be coming back to more of this later. Thank you, guys. Oh, my God. What do Gregorian chants, Indian, medieval, and 20th century minimalist music have in common? The drone, a part of musical history for thousands of years. It continues to entrance us today. Now, eight sound artists have transmuted their drones into an immersive cinematic experience. Join us for the Drone Cinema Film Festival on Saturday, January 19th at the Highways Performance Space in Santa Monica. A mesmerizing evening with cinematic tapestries woven from the drones of light and sound. For more, visit highwaysperformance.org. It is now 10.54 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'm going to uh, Skype my buddy David J. Diaz here. He lives all the way out in Gibraltar. Let's see what we can do here. Hello, Kirk. David, dude. I just noticed the first thing that pops up here is a picture of you and Mark Hamill. Now, where the heck did you meet him? In Gibraltar. He came over to open up the Skywalk. This is incredible. Yeah, last March. In, basically, it's a, a, a tourist site up the Rock of Gibraltar. That's basically to sum it up. Were, were you able to geek out with him on, on some Star Wars stuff? Yeah, he signed my Blu-ray box set, and I got to interview him too. So, oh all my! Got a in each, all the that all is the fantastic, up. man! I just love how you've become the voice of Gibraltar. You've you've become like the point man for all this stuff. It's been great watching you evolve throughout the years. 
Oh, it's great all around. I mean, I think it's very humbling when you get to imagine those experiences in your head, but you never think they're going to happen. And then when they do, it's like, hmm, I'm onto something sort of thing. I mean, you've just been diving deep into, you know, for, what's interesting is like just from your love of wanting to expose the Gibraltar music um, communities and cultures and getting their voices out there and just just from your love of just kind of doing that on your own and what's so cool is through that, um, the you know, these other people, they, they appreciate the fact that you give them a voice so then they go off and they tell others about it and they tell others about it and next thing you know, people are uh, having you coordinate stuff and uh, I mean, what does that feel like? Is that cool or what? It's a very rewarding feeling. I mean, just recently, um, just a few days ago actually, um, I was speaking to a friend of mine who was actually in a band in Gibraltar. And obviously he's moved to Nashville, Tennessee. And from there, he's actually combined and compiled a band with other five others, I believe. And those five others have actually been signed to BMG Records. And they're going to be debuting at the Grand Ole Opry on March 3rd. So that, for me, is like the ultimate, you know, because you promote them almost on a daily basis even. Because obviously, even though... Maybe there isn't really that much movement movements of that particular band, but that particular artist or whoever, it doesn't really matter. But at the end of the day, you promote them, you get to know them as musicians. I've known them as people. Keep in mind, Gibraltar is very small, so you do get to meet different people who are around your age or friends with friends or anything. And to see that progress, I see how you can go to perform in such maybe a small venue like a nightclub to opening up to the Grand Ole Opry. So it's like, wow, all combined into one. There is no even a feeling to describe it. It's just a very humbling thing to be thanked for what you do, and that's what, exactly what Simon did a few days ago. Wow. So, okay, so what was the circumstance of you actually meeting Mark Hamill? How did, how did you get to interview him? Uh, basically, uh, obviously, I work for a local newspaper, and uh, the fact that I work for a local newspaper soon, because I remember a few weeks prior to that, I was speaking to Richard Corum, who was actually a producer for the uh, the Tools Music Festival, MTV Tools Music Festival. And he was telling me that in a few weeks, he was going to be in Gibraltar again, but obviously that he was coming with someone. And I thought, okay, great, you know, it's just going to be routine, because obviously that's something we'll dive into shortly, is that we do work with MTV Tuliers for the local bands that will perform at the MTV Gibraltar calling, so I thought, okay, great, that's going to be a procedure. And I, I just remember being at my girlfriend's house, and I got a message from a colleague of mine, because obviously I had just finished for the day. And he said, make sure you tune in to, at 8.30 to the local news on TV. So I thought, what's going on? You know, I thought something was going to happen, or something that was that maybe the Chief Minister of Gibraltar was going to announce, which was important, or something of that relevance. And surprisingly enough, like, within moments, obviously, I work there as well, and I liaise a lot with the Georgia government press office, so we get press releases via email, etc. And this, it says, embargo, Mark Hamill will be in Gibraltar tomorrow, and obviously on Wednesday will be, um, will be the inauguration of this skyfall, uh, skywalk of the rock, I thought. And I just told my boss flat out, like, I need to go, and I need to interview him one way or another. And I'm like, in the end, it did become a reality, so it's still... To me, probably up there with my biggest career highlights. Wow, that is incredible! That is incredible. Um, now, did did uh did he was he able to tell you at all if he's going to be in the next Star Wars movie or not? 
Well, he didn't really talk about, about that. I mean, I just asked him because obviously time is very limited when it comes to having a, a celebrity that manages And keep in mind, you have to accommodate the rest of the local press. So we only got a question each, but at the end of the day, I did actually get to ask him a question. I got to interact with him a little bit more before the press conference itself. And I just asked him the truth, like, you know, obviously the Rockets Rolls is on the other side of the planet. So it's for him, I just asked him very easily, like, what it means to him to see his work being broadcasted all over the world, you know, because at the end of the day, he lives in the United States, but it's obviously, like, in other parts of the globe, it's in Gibraltar, it can be in, in Spain. His voiceover work is very known for in Gibraltar. I mean, I saw some kids, obviously, from this, um, that belong to St. Martin's, which is a school for children with disabilities, and most of them had Joker stuff, you know, and it shows you how much his work does uh, travel, you know, and speaking about Star Wars, he actually, obviously, up the rock, I don't know if you've ever seen the rock rolls, but it is 426 feet above sea level, and it's a fantastic feeling to just go up there to the top, the views are fantastic, and he actually said that he would actually like to bring maybe Star Wars to Gibraltar, maybe even shoot a scene after Rockwood Walter someday, so... Oh, God, that would be awesome, man. That's what I th- first thought of when I saw um, The Last Jedi and, and him kind of living in that, that sort of rock kind of mountain yeah. kind of community. That reminded me of The Rock of Gibraltar. So that's really cool that he that he wants to go out there and, uh, you know, think about uh, uh, shooting out there. Yeah, I mean, it would be great, you know, the rap in Star Wars I mean, now we have a very own comic-con and the fact that we do have a very own comic-con is it shows you like how much of, of, I, w- I wouldn't say i don't want to say the word but it shows you how much of the, the sci-fi world and the, the, the community that's in that sense actually it does want to see something like that happen because i remember when i was told saying one of my other friends who was a reporter for the other and um, local news entity obviously he was geeking out obviously he's a big star wars fan too so it was like mm, like if you if you were to make this happen who knows you know it's down to him and J.J. Abrams, I suppose. Gosh, how cool, man. And you're, you're just like, you know what? I'm going out there. I'm going to go uh, talk to Mark Hamill. I'm going to interview him. And <laughs> sure enough, there it is, man. I mean, that's so kick-ass. He'll always remember you as the guy who is, you know, talking with him and, and talking about the Rock of Gibraltar. I mean, that's 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 fantastic. I mean, that's that's awesome. How many people well, in the world awesome. can say that they even got that close to Mark Hamill, let alone talking to him for a little bit? For the local press, it was because obviously, and, and it doesn't happen all the time. But I mean, for something as big as this, it was only seven media entities from Gibraltar. You had obviously Gibraltar Chronicle, Gibraltar Panorama, which is why I work, and you have GBC, which is the local news network. And it's, it was just very limited. And it was like we're going up the rock, and we, I remember like they're saying, obviously, we have to get a bus to get to the top. You can walk even if you want to, but obviously, a bus was the rightful thing to do. And we were just waiting, and this was, I think, they just told us, be there by 8.30 or by 8 o'clock, I can remember. It didn't start till half past 10, but we didn't really care, you know. We got to experience this feeling of meeting and interviewing some, someone as big as Mark Hamill. So it was an honor in every sense of the word. Now, what other stuff do you have going on? You just you said you work for the, for the news. Are you still doing, um, you're still doing music stuff out there, right? I mean, I'm only primarily focused at the moment on mostly news, uh, local music news, and obviously cultural events, and that happen like outdoor openings or anything else. Uh, but music-wise, it's wide open, you know, because at the end of the day, um, running the Jerusalem Music Society led me to the opportunity two years ago to ended up ending up with me working with Neon Angel, 
who produced the MTV Tools Calling Music Festival. And it, we saw a, a bit of a loophole. We spoke to them about it. We just like, look, we know local bands, we know local artists. And from there, we like, maybe we can actually pr- come up with a list and send you a list as to who we feel could perform at a festival of this magnitude, you know. And surprisingly enough, even within that, it's given me a lot of opportunities, you know, to interview some of music's greats. And I've been very grateful. Last year, I was very grateful with the ones I, I was given more than anything else because at the end of the day you have to apply to who you want to interview and it was just a great feeling you know and one of them last year was america and that will always stand out to me as probably one of the biggest highlights ever you know I've, like i've done many things but interviewing america was just special you know you, wow. it's not very every day that you get to interview them and even get to as close to them you know it was again it was very similar to the Mark Hamill situation, but you listen to them, to the other reporters asking the questions, but it was like 26 minutes worth of just them talking about their careers without, without and obviously answering questions from Ask the Local Press. So those opportunities don't come very often, but when they do, you just got to grab them and take You know, you've uh, as long as I've known you through the years, you, you've seemed to always just kind of follow your heart and follow your interests and come across a lot of great golden you know, opportunities in that way. And you've gone from covering the local, you know, the local music out there to then, I, I, you're, I don't know if I'm wording it the right way, but didn't you say that you're like the ambassador, uh, so to speak, of the of the music world out there? I'm the president of the Gibraltar Live Music Society. That's what it is. What is that called again? Gibraltar Live Music Society. Wow. And were you, because uh, I remember you were telling me about how, how Duran Duran came out there and played for, was that a specific festival, or what was that circumstance? Uh, that was for the Gibraltar Music Festival in 2015, and that was also, I didn't get to meet them and all interview them or anything else, but obviously the opportunity to see someone as big as Duran Duran is, it's like I always say, look, I mean, I go primarily like all these festivals that happen in Gibraltar, there is, there is, a vast variety, you know, from electronic music to big name bands as well. But I mean, I, I always felt that I'll only go. Obviously, the opportunity is great, you know, you get to see many bands, etc., that you've always wanted to see live. But at the same time, you look at the opportunities, you know, if you, you're being told on the day, oh, you're going to America or you're going to Bob Geldof, and, which is what I did, you know. And those experiences is like, you have to feel, feel fortunate, you know. Be in a place like Gibraltar, which is on the other side of the world, a place such as so small like Gibraltar, to have a festival of this magnitude and to even have all these big name acts come over, it's just a great feeling all around, you know, because you, you're seeing them on your own surf. And also, if you're lucky, you get sent to them. If you don't, the experience of seeing them live is just the same and just as rewarding. Now, do you guys have that? Does that happen every year? It happens every September. I mean, it's, it, I mean last year it's a place. From uh, September 21st until September 22nd, unfortunately, but because obviously it was, uh, they couldn't really do it because it takes place in the local uh, soccer stadium, which belongs to the Football Association. And obviously the local uh, Football Association needed it on the days that they were actually booked in for, obviously because they were playing a few matches in between. But then it was switched, it didn't really matter. It was still a fun time and people still went. So I'm not really going to complain about that. That is great. Now what... Um you know, in addition to that large stadium, what other areas around there are, you know, are big enough where you could hold something like that? 
I mean, as I say, now it's uh, great all around because um, obviously, keep in mind, we share a border with Spain and obviously it's very easy to just cross into Spain and actually go into another country all around. If I, if I fancy right now to go like, into Spain, I can usually just get, go with my girlfriend, get in the car and just drive over, you know, just, and obviously, I mean, primarily if there's, like, maybe there's a line, like a long queue or whatever, but you'll actually end up going through, but that's always routine, it doesn't really matter. But if you go into, say, I want to say Pasla Linea, which is the neighborhood sound, but if you go further up the coast, like if you go to like Malaga, which is primarily a, a very a very hotbed, you know, because they've got they've got the Starlight Festival, and they've got this, like big name acts. I mean, I saw Manal at there last year from Mexico, but I saw and there's many others that to attend. You know, you see Shaggy and maybe Sting, uh, Steven Tyler was there last year as well. You know, there's always big name acts, and Fuenjirola, which is a part of Malaga, and their own it's own its own city within Malaga, its own town even. Uh, they're going to have a rock uh, festival next year. They're going to have scorpions. They're going to have rainbow. Um, Bob Dylan's coming in a few months here as well. Very close by, which is great. And obviously, if I can get a press accreditation, it will be great as well. But I mean, so many things are happening. You know, sometimes it's within 40 minutes of Gibraltar. So many things are happening, and it's not just focused on just the Gibraltar music scene. It's always great to see all these big name acts that have come down. I mean, it's always happened, even as far back. That's the 50s and 60s. I remember reading up on Frank Sinatra being around these parts of the world. And it's always always great, you know? It's, it's a great feeling to see how much music and even how much of the acts actually want to, want to come to this side of the world. So what other... what In addition to, um, um, you know, organizing, bringing out the... the, the um, uh, sort of being the connection between... I guess the rest of the world in Gibraltar with your, you know, with with the music out there for that society. How many people are part of the, what, what is it called again? The Gibraltar Music Society. The Gibraltar Live Music Society. Oh, Live Music Society, uh, Gibraltar Live Music Society. So now, how many of you are a part of, are a part of that? I mean, we got five of us, and obviously we got our own media team as well. I'm part of the media team too, but obviously I, sometimes I don't do as much as I I, I used to. I mean, now it's. Obviously, I'm engaged, I'm, obviously I'm happily engaged, and there's more things that actually keep me tied in a very good way. So I'm obviously, like, I've got my time for my job, and obviously then once we finish, if there's something big going on, I'll definitely attend. But at the same time, I actually keep it to minimum, you know, and I try to focus the balance between my job. Then we've got my brother who's actually very involved in every sense of the word, you know, we, we liaises quite often, like with bands, obviously band management, if, obviously, when we host an event, uh, or anything else, he takes care of that, and then my fiance takes over as well. Uh, then we got Charlie, who does all sorts of things. He's like the, the, the one who's always with the cell phone and records good bands, you know, for future reference. And obviously, then you got the media team. You know, you've got Oliver, you got you know, Gabriella. So it's so it's great to have that feeling. You know, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's people who have the same ambition to broadcast this local music scene to the world. Wow, that is just so cool. Now, were you saying that they have, uh, you guys have, do you have like a public access kind of um, spot out there? Well, we're trying. I mean, I mean, now right now we're just sticking to the podcast. It doesn't really matter. Like, we've just rebranded the podcast, obviously, because um, but basically we had to rebrand it for a reason. I mean, we spoke uh, in November to one of our sponsors, the society that runs with the sponsorship. And we were speaking to one of our sponsors, and we spoke to them about renewing out their sponsor with us, and they were quite interested, so I thought, great, you know, like, obviously the funds will come in, and we could use it for the website, and to build it up, or whatever. 
and that that actual particular um, company is uh, the Coca Cola supplying Interval, so they actually fabricate it and everything else in Interval. So it, it, we even have our very own Coca Cola factory. So I thought, okay, great. He's like, well, we're going to send you the jingles that belong to Coca Cola, and we'd like you to have the podcast sponsored by Coca Cola too. So I'm like, okay. So it was a very surreal feeling as well because at the end of the day. Obviously, it's part of a local business, but Coca-Cola is a big thing in the world. It's one of the biggest franchises in the history of the world. And it's it's a great feeling, you know, because at the end of the day, you're playing all these singles. It makes the podcast a little bit more legit, if that's maybe the right term. Yeah. And obviously, it makes more people glued to what the local musicians that we interview, like, makes makes them and people are taking them more seriously as well because of the brand that it belongs to now. Wow. Now, do you shoot any of the... Have you shot any music videos out there? I can imagine you doing a good job of that. I mean, I've always said, like, well, I'd love to get out there and just uh, even have them recorded, have them for YouTube. But at the end of the day, I've always seen uh, the growth in the world. I'm noticed seeing what many others do. I think podcasting right now is the way to go. Obviously, I think, like, recording and editing takes more time. Audio is a lot easier to maybe... If you're going to, re- like, edit just one section, like, one interview is takes a lot of, and it doesn't really take that much time at least it doesn't for me because at the end of the day even there's like I've, I've been asked before like um, I remember interviewing a particular musician and I, we were talking and then someone he saw that walked past and he just said and he just waved at them from a distance he said happy birthday so, and I just left that in and people were like oh you left that in and like was that intentional I'm like yeah because it shows you the way they really ask people you know you don't want to leave the characters the same you know because if not it's going to be oh, this particular person is like acting like a musician, and then outside of the interview, there are different people together. Leave the charm in, is what I say. You know, it, oh, yeah. Up, it, really it, it just makes it better. You know, you want to make them sound as if they are regular people, and you don't want them to sound like different, and totally different altogether. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, I mean, I know for myself, I, I always appreciate it when I, I feel like I can connect with... Uh, musician or an actor and you know I can I hear a story like for instance I just saw this uh, documentary about Bill Murray it's called the Bill Murray stories and it's all about um, you know I I don't know if you've heard any of these stories but he'll just pop up in all these just random places and people be like what the heck Bill Murray was just at my house or Bill Murray just popped you know just happened to walk into my restaurant and start washing dishes or you know like he's just popping up in all these random locations just just kind of going along with it and uh, like there was this couple that was getting their uh, uh, photographs done by a photographer, and all of a sudden Bill Murray just happened to be walking down the street, and he he took some photos with him. Uh, and then there was another time where there was a house party, and Bill Murray just happened to walk into the house party, and he's like, "This sink is filthy. I gotta wash these dishes." And he just started washing the dishes, and like I mean, he's just doing like really, like really interesting stuff out there. So when I hear about that. I'm like, oh my god, this guy is like a person I can relate to. This is someone I can connect with, and um, I think it's great when you can uh, when you can do that when you can show the charm of the uh, of the musicians and the actors because it just warms people up to them. Yeah, I like to see it sort of like when when I interview. Like sometimes I've had like barrel of laughs, you know, with my guests and stuff, and I like to associate it very similar to what comedians in cars getting coffee is where they, it doesn't matter if they screw up, you know, they just keep on talking, and they're still joking around, it doesn't really matter. Right. So, in a way, I see it that way, you know, it's very intimate for me. It's like, I always say, like, when I tell people, 
and what asked you why started this podcast, why it's ended up into this, or morphed into this even. I remember telling people, like, I've known these musicians, like, I've been around my entire life, obviously my dad was a musician too. So the fact that sometimes I've met up with musicians that I know from a personal level, and I actually get to talk, I can actually make it very intimate, you know, because I can actually go, oh, I remember the first time I saw you perform, or I remember the first time we met, so stuff like that, you know, it's those experiences that not many people have. So it makes it, for me, it's just as interesting to get to know these stories as my listeners, and that's the way I look at it, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, with your wealth of, of music knowledge, I mean, it's just much easier to kind of navigate those waters when you're when you're interviewing those folks and you have those resources to pull from in your brain and you're going, ah, here's, an L, here's another good uh, story or here's another good opportunity to ask this or ask that. Um, are there, now, you were saying that you're, you're working in association with MTV in some way. Did I hear you correctly in saying that? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, the Neon Angel Limited, Gibraltar Limited, uh, to produce the Gibraltar Music Festival every year and basically for them it was once we saw this that we thought you know we need to have a, some sort of way where we can actually recommend the bands that we know the artists that we know and not even the bands and artists that we know just recommend them the bands of the Gibraltar Music Scene you know there is although it's very small it's a, got a very vibrant music scene and we thought you know we recommend this band or we just send them this band or whatever in the end, what we did was we compiled, like, I think it was like PDF, because obviously they didn't want solo artists, so we thought, okay, so we only limited to bands. So we said, we said, well, send them a PDF of 35 bands, and with those 35 bands, we send them the material. And with that material, like, okay, we like this band, we like this band. We, they chose six, and then and added, like, for the first year that they took it over, they added a seventh. So we thought, great, you know, they actually are willing to listen to this band. They are willing to listen to this band. So it's great. It's a great feeling, you know. And one of those bands that actually has performed at the Force Music Festival probably since the beginning is uh, Jetstream. And this band called Jetstream is now, they've been now going all over the UK and they're doing a lot of stuff in the UK. They go there and so they're, they're opening up for Top Loader. I don't know if you know who Top Loader are, but I mean, they're opening up for them next month which is great all around you know it is cool you see that book. now do you so it's, it's, do do you play uh, instruments i used to play bass believe it or not and i actually gave it up and i gave it up for a reason i, I remember when i first started getting into the, the local music scene as a teenager it was, i must have been around 16 or that around that time and i remember i had a, well my friends had a teacher in college and one of my that my friends was saying, oh, um, Ryan was saying, he used to address him by name. He was saying, oh, he's telling us, oh, you should go to Rock and Rock, and which is the Rock uh, Rock Club in Gibraltar, and it just opened really months prior. And he's like, oh, you should, he was telling us we should go, and he's telling us about this band called Murder of Crows. So I thought, great, no, we'll go something different to do on a Friday night. So we went, and I was around paying, and there was this commotion in, in the in, in the crowd, you know. And obviously they were doing their own covers, and, and the cover they were performing was uh, Rocking in the Free World by Neil Young. And it just stood out to me. But the first thing I saw was this um, guitarist called Stu Whitworth, who was coincidentally a part of Jetstream, the band I just spoke about. I mean, he was playing guitar. He used to live in my building, but I didn't know he was a guitarist. Mm-hmm. But behind him, Roy, who was my friend's technology teacher, was like, he, he plays drums? Really? So from there, it just evolved into us going more into the rock club, becoming more involved, you know, we just wanted to see the music, wanted to meet the musicians. 
it's on a more personal level, and eventually that's what we did. And for me, it just if, if that wouldn't have happened, I don't think I'd be where I am today, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, heck, you know, it's never too late to pick back up the bass again, and plus, you know, so many musicians yeah. out there, and I'm sure you could get you know, into into jamming and making some of your own songs and because um, I know what that feeling's like when you, you know, being being an observer to something and you go, oh, this just sounds so sweet. If only there were a way to, for me to participate in it, you know, to like to be involved with it. And I think what's great is that you, you've been able, you've been able, uh... oh, here we go. Okay, there, there was something weird going on with the Skype. It, it disconnected. It's raining pretty bad out here, so I probably got to wrap this up in about five minutes. It's, it, anytime it rains, my internet gets strange. Um, but yeah. so, are are there any new other uh, other new pieces of news you'd like to share? Well, I just want to say, keep on like if if whoever's curious, you know, just I mean, just follow us on Facebook. Obviously, like we do post a lot of material. There, there is so much material when it comes to sports and music. Lately, it's like on fire. You know, there is a lot of things, and obviously, being that this is going to go in, in the U.S. Keep uh, it's close tabs for a band called King Calloway, who, which is the band I mentioned at the beginning of the interview that will be opening up at the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville on March 3rd. And Billboard magazine is already promoting them and everybody else. So I'm hoping sometime in the US they'll actually make it. You know, they already have obviously the signs of BMG Records, but I would love for them to continue that success. And what's, because what, what's the name of that band sign. again? What's the name of that band? King. King Calloway. King Calloway? Yeah. Like King and then C A and then C A L L O W A Y. C A L A W A Y. C A L A W A Y Calloway. King Calloway. And and you're saying that this is one of the bands that you had first sort of broke the news of, huh? Well, I sort of like because I was speaking to Simon and I remember seeing the news that he was still in this project. He sent me, like, obviously the link to, like, his band, new band page on Facebook. And I thought, obviously, click, I'll, I'll click like. And then I just sent him a message, and we touched base, and then he sent me the press release, and I was like, seriously? And he's like... And then he went on to tell me all about it, and I was just telling him the truth. I mean, it shows you that with perseverance, you can always make it, you know, and it shows you that as small as the is, how far you can actually get with the music. You just need to move to the right places, make the right connections, and there you go. That's the end of his, his history, pretty much, after that. Wow, man. Well, I gotta say, you know, there's so much to be said for following your passions and following your heart and just seeing what, how it's gonna, you know, where it's gonna lead you, how it's gonna turn out, and you've done that, and it's so joyful to see you, <laughs> uh, just the the evolution that's taking place and the momentum that you're you're gaining with this stuff. So it's, I mean, it's just awesome. Thank you so much for sharing this information with us. It's always a pleasure. It's a great feeling. I mean, I'll just plug something very, very briefly. I spoke last year with this version of the Central Central, so they do it annually. And I, do, I think you saw this. I sent, I sent it to you, I believe. A version of the what? The a version of the what? Of the Tensels. Oh, okay. And they invite local personalities to speak. And obviously, one of my friends is one of the organizers. He's like, you know what? Your name was submitted and nominated, and they'll probably want you to talk about ten for ten minutes. And I'm like, okay, whoa! Great. And it was a very surreal feeling. So I thought, okay, great, I'll do that. So I just called it, and very abruptly, I just called it from passion to passion. And 
I just went up there, no notes, just prepared my slides and nothing else. You know, that, that's all I did. I just spoke from the heart, you know, from the experiences I've had from then to present day back then. You know, it was a year ago now. And I still believe how I did that, I don't know. But when you speak from the heart, it just rambles on forever if you have to. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that magical? Like when you just speak from the heart, it takes care of everything for you. They could, because there's no overanalyzation, there's no overcritiquing, there's no worrying about whether you're saying the right thing or not. You're speaking from the heart, which is the truest place there ever is. And <laughs> when you're speaking from the heart, it's all just going to come out. It knows what information you want to say. So you just go, whoop, open the floodgates and there it goes. And it, it is amazing how that happens. I mean, those 10 minutes just flew by. You know, I thought... I was very nervous, like, probably, and obviously, like, I was the third one on as well, so I was like, okay, great, I can go on and do my thing and then just probably enjoy the rest of the day, watch the rest of the talks, because many of them that were speaking were actually friends of mine too, so I thought, okay, great. Wow. Um, I was at the local auditorium, and I was I was speaking to the CEO, Digital Social Services, he's a very good friend of mine, and we are just having coffee, just talking, he's like, are you nervous? I'm like, that's the worst thing you could have said. <laughs> once, once, once when I went up there, like I, I don't think many people could have actually seen how nervous I was. But I just prepared all these slides, you know, from my dad's influence to like this uh, psychology teacher that my friends had in college to present day. You know, like I always said, don't stop believing. And at the end of the day, I would have never thought I'd be writing about local music as much as I am now. You know, as involved as I am. In some ways, you know, we do we do charity events. We did I did a twelve hour marathon last year for cancer relief, and just playing local music, having guests come on and perform. You know, it's stuff like that. And I never thought I would never be able to do those things, but I did. Wow, so it, it shows you the perseverance that it, how far it can go. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think if this were more of a message that's out there in the world, where you know, just following your heart, following your heart, and. You know, don't listen to the, uh, well, I, I call them like the C-3PO's. You know, in, in Star Wars, there's yeah. there's that moment where Han is going to fly through the asteroid field and then C-3PO is like, well, the odds of you surviving. And he's like, never tell me the odds. Like, don't tell me the odds, dude. <laughs> like, we're not going to make it out alive if I listen to the odds right now. I need to just zen, zen, just zen out and tune into what's going on here and I can get us through this thing. But I don't need to hear your facts and your figures and the stats and the, you know, just get, stand over there, dude, get, get away from me. <laughs> and I think like too many times when we allow the, those kinds of, um, uh, th I guess those kinds of personalities to be in our, in our life or those kinds of thoughts to enter our brains, that's the stuff that's going to hold us back. But if we're going to be like the Han Solo and go, yeah, there's an asteroid field. So what? I'm going to fly through this thing. <laughs> like th no problem. Then you will. It's it's astounding yeah. to see how it works. Yeah, I mean, I just remember ages ago. I was watching A Simple Rules, and it's in one of the episodes of shortly after John Redder dies, and I think it's Kelly Segal who's in the scene. I think Kelly Coco is also in the scene as well. And basically, they're with the therapist, and he's like, like he always wants uh, Paul John Ritter's character said that like, he always wanted to go skydiving, and I think uh, the therapist just goes, "Well, what's your version of skydiving?" And she says, singing. He goes, so, so go skydiving. And that's where, that's pretty much my version of skydiving. I would never jump out of a plane. I don't think I have enough adrenaline, even though my sister and my other friends have actually done it in the past, but I don't think I would. But it's, that's my version of skydiving, taking the plunge, taking the plunge to do all these interviews that I've done and all these opportunities that have been given as well. So 
Well, yeah, because then it doesn't become this thing, uh, you know, it's a great way of reframing how you view it rather than viewing it as, um, which we're taught, you know, oh, you got to go up the mountain, oh, it's a long climb, and oh, you might not make it, no, there's so many people, and it's oversaturated, and what are the odds, and all that stuff. Um, if we kind of reframe it like, oh, I just hear a sound, and I'm just going to keep walking in that direction of the sound, and eventually I'm going to reach the epicenter of where that sound is, <laughs> and that's all there is to it. It doesn't matter whether there's a fence I got to climb over. It doesn't matter if there's an alley I got to walk through. It doesn't matter if I got to swim through a you know a lake to get there. Um, I'm just going to simply follow the sound and and wait and and until I reach it, that's all there is to it. And it's great because. Uh, it empowers you. It it empowers you to really follow your heart more and just get in line with that. Absolutely. And that's the thing. I mean, you need to take all these plunges. It could even be the smallest of thing. It could be just, like, I don't know, jumping from the first step, or, like, from stairs or in the steps or whatever. But at the end of the day, is that you, you need to take all these plunges. If not, you never know what's going to happen. Man. Well, on that note, D- Dave, thank you so much for, for talking about all this great Gibraltar stuff, and where where can people most easily find the information? Um, either your society just or I mean, we've got a Facebook page, which obviously now I, I would say, like even if you don't see anything on the page, like recent recent or anything else, it doesn't mean that nothing's happening. There's always something on behind the scenes that we are working on or whatever. But the page is facebook.com forward slash Live Music, and from there. You'll probably see pictures of events that we've covered or interviews and all sorts. I mean, we do so many things that we're trying to cram so much, so much time into something like this, but it is actually working out to our advantage. Dude, I'm so proud of you, man. Well, you, you take care and you have a great day, and thank you so much for being able to carve some time out of your busy day to talk. No, it's great. It's 8.30 in the evening now, so I think I'm getting ready for a little dinner and then that's me done for the day. Oh, great. All right, man. Well, you take care. I'll talk to you later. You too, Kurt. Thank uh, you very much. All right. You're welcome. Bye. So th- there you go. David J. Diaz, uh, living out there in Gibraltar. Jib Live Music. That's G-I-B-L-I-V-E-M-U-S-I-C. Right, right. Always on time. Show, 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 show. Jump out, jump out. Show, 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 the line, 